Church, I come with just one question for you this morning. Who sang this song? Who's singing this song? This song? Psalm 23, I can understand that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I can understand singing that song. But this song? Psalm 46, God is my strength and refuge, my ever-present help in times of trouble. Psalm 136, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. That song slaps. But this song, this song ends with leave me alone. Who is singing this song? Can you imagine a worship planning meeting in the first century church? The pastor's asking, all right, guys, what songs are we going to put on rotation for this month? Some eager beaver in the back puts up his hand. I know, I know, I've got something. It's a song we haven't done for a while. Stay with me. It's an oldie, but a goodie. Stay with me. Psalm 39. That guy does not get to go to those meetings anymore, okay? Because who is singing this song? Except someone had to have sung it. The very fact that it's in our Bibles means that somebody has been singing this song for thousands of years. But who? Who sang this song? Maybe an exasperated person. Perhaps an exasperated person sang this song. Can you hear the exasperation in these words? The more I thought about it, the hotter I got. Doesn't that sound like an exasperated person to you? And we believe David wrote this psalm. And he certainly had his reasons to be exasperated, to be irritated, to be aggravated, to be acerbated. It started with his brothers belittling him. And then there was that giant taunting him. And then King Saul chasing, chasing, chasing after him, trying to kill him. And then there were his own children defying him. And then his son warring him, bringing thousands of men after him, tens of thousands. How many people does it take to exasperate you? 10,000 people? I once heard... A great preacher, A.B. Sutton, preached these words. How many people does it take to exasperate you? 10,000 people? 5,000 people? 1,000 people. Does it take 1,000 people? 500. Does it take 500, 200 people? 100, 50, 20, 10? You know, it only takes one person. One person picking, picking, picking at you. One person driving you crazy at work, 
One person driving you crazy at home. One person lying to you. One person cheating you. One person stealing from you. One person pushing, pushing, pushing you. Pushing you to the point that even though you are trying to be good, even though you are holding your tongue, still that exasperation swirls around in the belly of you like magma. It bubbles and it boils and steams and pushes up, up, up inside of you until you're almost about ready to burst. You do burst like Mount Vesuvius. You erupt with these words, how long? How long, oh Lord? How long am I going to have to put up with this guy? How long am I going to have to live in this exasperating world? Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. Perhaps an exasperated person is someone who sang this song. What about an insignificant person? Could an insignificant person sing this song? Have a look at these words here in verse 5. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Can you hear the way insignificance infects these words? Do you ever feel insignificant? Maybe you have, like I have, thought to yourself, if I could just, if I could just get that degree, if I could just get that title, if I could just get in with those friends at school, if I could just find somebody who would love me, If I could just be excellent at one thing, maybe I wouldn't feel so insignificant. But the hard truth about insignificance is that the fact that David wrote these words, King David, it tells me that you can be living in the largest palace in the world, sitting on the highest throne and still feel as insignificant as that that button that gets sewn into the lining of a jacket that no one will ever use. Do you ever feel insignificant at work? (laughs) I think that's what this song is getting out when it says all our busy rushing ends in nothing. My first real job out of college was working as a digital video librarian. Every day I sat at my desk, I recorded videos, edited videos and added them to the digital video library folder. At the end of that first year of my first real job, they cut the program and they cut my job. And on my last day of work, as I was gathering my things to leave, I saw my former boss sit down at my desk 
and with one click of the mouse, click on that digital video library folder, you know where this is going, and drag it across the screen and put my entire year's worth of work into the trash. I never knew until then how much our busy rushing can end in nothing. Maybe you haven't had a year's worth of work digitally dumped, but who here has ever cleaned a house? I mean, you know, you have the house clean by 9 a.m. and by 9 p.m. it's just as messy as it was before. And you say, is anything I do in this world of any significance? Have you ever cooked a dinner that your children didn't want to eat? You find yourself scraping it into the sink. You ever made some money only to have it stolen? Built a house, only 10 years later they tear it down. Did some great work at work, only to have your supervisor take all the credit. I have, I've had that. I've written pages that no one will ever read, said words that no one will ever hear, been in rooms, no one remembers that I was there. I have had moments, and maybe you have too, where I have felt as insignificant as the crumbs people brush from their dress after a meal, or the little seeds on the top of a bread roll, like a sesame seed, or a mustard seed. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. Maybe people who feel insignificant, are they the ones singing this song? What about sinners? Are they singing this song? Listen to these words in verse 9. I am silent before you. I won't say a word for my punishment is from you. Does that sound like the words of someone guilty of sin to you? Last month when I was traveling back from Birmingham, Alabama, the woman ahead of me in the security checkout got flat, her bag got flagged. And usually I don't pay that much attention to that. That happens all the time. But this time security guards were crowding around the screen. So I looked up at the x-ray of her bag too. And there in the x-ray were just a series of different size round shapes. The security guard turned to the woman and he said, excuse me, ma'am, what exactly is in your bag? And she said, oh, you know, just rocks. I just love rocks. <laughs> Can you imagine this woman? in her hotel room, pressing down her suitcase, trying to zip up a bag full of rocks. <laughs> she, you know, lifts that bag out of, her, out of her hotel room, drags it through the hallway to the elevator, bat suitcase full of rocks, takes it through the lobby of the, of the hotel, drags it out into the Birmingham streets. Some sweet, unsuspecting Uber driver drives up. Can I help you with your bag, ma'am? <laughs> Goes to lift up a suitcase full of rocks, gets the shock of his life, breaks his back. He is not lifting that bag again. 
She takes it out of the Uber, drags her suitcase full of rocks through the airport, up the airport stairs to the security check. All day long, taking with her a suitcase full of rocks. There was a study published in The Atlantic a few years back, a psych study on 13,000 secrets. And these psychologists discovered that the average American carries around with them 13 secrets each, five of which they have never told anyone. There are some things that weigh heavier than a suitcase full of rocks. Don't you think? I am silent before you. I won't say a word, for my punishment is from you. But please stop striking me. I am exhausted by the blows from your hand. A sinner. Is that who sang this song? What about a person who just did not fit in in the world? I mean, who did not fit in? These words, for I am your guest, a traveler passing through, they are some old words, some old Bible words that used to be translated, for I am a stranger and an alien in the world. What about people who feel like strangers in the world? Were they singing this song? What about Abel? Do you remember Abel? All he wanted to do was to worship God well, but his brother Cain hated him for it. Did he sing this song? What about Enoch? Do you remember Enoch? He didn't fit into the world so much. He just walked right off the face of it. Did he sing this song? What about Noah? Remember Noah as he's out hammering boards into his boat out in the desert? Was he just singing this song? What about Abraham as he was led out of his home country? Everything he ever knew, was he singing this song? What about Sarah? Remember Sarah? All those decades waiting for a baby, her neighbors gossiping. Was she singing this song? Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah. You know what? I think they were. And here's my reasoning why. The place where these five people show up in the Bible, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, is Hebrews chapter 11. We call that the hall of heroes. And in Hebrews chapter 11, besides the story of these four, five people, we also get a little teeny tiny quote of, of all things, Psalm 39. And so for that reason, I think, you know, in Hebrews chapter 11, maybe we don't only get the stories of these people who've been singing this song, perhaps we also get a teeny tiny glimpse of God's song back to them. You see, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that these people were also strangers and aliens in the world. Those words only show up three times in our Bible, Hebrews chapter 11, 1 Peter 2, and Psalm 39. 
So if in Psalm 39, we've got this old song, the song of our heroes, perhaps the song we've been singing, in Hebrews chapter 11, we've got this song of God back to those people, perhaps God's song back to us. Do you want to hear it? It says they were strangers and aliens in the world. Therefore, God. Therefore, God. Therefore, God was not ashamed to be their God. And he has built a city for them. So if you come to church this morning and you feel like, I just don't fit into this world, if that is your song, hear God's song back to you. He is not ashamed to be your God and he has built a city for you. If you've come to church this morning and you are so exasperated, you are crying out to God, how long, O Lord? Take courage. God is not ashamed to be your God. And he has built a city for you. If you've come to church this morning and you feel insignificant, can I tell you how significant you are? God is not ashamed to be your God. And he has built a city for you. If you've come to church this morning, racked with the guilt of sin, you're saying to God, stop striking me. Then hear God's song back to you. God is not ashamed to even be your God. And he has built a city for you. If your song this morning is, leave me alone. I hate to tell you this news, but in all the thousands of years human beings have been singing that song, God has given one answer, no, no, nah, nope, nope, no way. No siree, not on your Nelly, not on your life. As Aussies would say, nah, mate, you got Buckley's. No, that's God's answer to the prayer, to the song, leave me alone. No. My uh, students from Turil were here in the last service, and I was reminded that they used to say, my catchphrase is no, that I love to say no. But you know inside the word no, there can be such good news. Psalm 94, no, the Lord will not forsake you. John 14, no, I will not leave you as orphans. Deuteronomy 31, no, the Lord will never leave you, never forsake you. Well, there was like one time, I think he said yes. But his resolve on that answer lasted, what, like one, two, three days? And then God's unmissable, unshakable, unstoppable, world-creating, life-changing power busted into that tomb. And he rose his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, up from the dead. Did you really think he was going to leave us alone like that? 
And when God rolled back that stone, he was declaring to the universe, guess what? I am not ashamed to be their God. And I will build a city for them. Let me tell you about that city. I will live in that city. And they will be my people and I will be their God. I will wipe away every tear from their eyes. In that city, there will be no death, no more mourning, no more sickness, no more pain, no more exasperation, no more frustration, no more smallness, no more insignificance, and no more sin. So church, I have just one question for you this morning. Who is singing this song? Let me pray for you if you are. 